will stand before God. And if you're not in Christ, you will get paid for your sins. God has a perfect record in His own omniscience of every thought you've ever had, every word you've ever spoken, every act you've ever committed, and paydays coming. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hi, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom concludes his current series with part 10 of Whose Slave Are You? We've been looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, looking at what the Apostle Paul has to say about your relationship to sin. You've been reminded that true Christians are no longer slaves of sin, but have instead become slaves of God, if you will, and therefore your life looks entirely different. You've discovered the real implications and ramifications of this new relationship to sin, a slavery to righteousness that leads to holiness and eternal life. And today, Tom will close our series by reminding you that your sin is real, serious, and has eternal consequences. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. Let's join Tom now with today's message on The Word Unleashed. The wages of sin is death. Now here is where a lot of people who aren't Christians get confused, and even those who profess to be Christian. They get confused here because they begin to think and reason on their own, and and they think like this. Okay, so the wages of sin is death. How many sins does it take to earn eternal punishment? And then they think, okay, well, is it possible that, yes, I'm a sinner, I know I sin, but is it possible that if I also do good things and I do enough good things that God will cancel out my sin and the wages that my sin has earned? This is an utter misunderstanding of God's justice. This is not who God is. How does God declare himself to be? How does he spell out his justice? Listen to God's self-revelation in Exodus chapter 34. He says, I will by no means leave the guilty, what? Unpunished. God says, it is my very nature that I cannot leave the guilty unpunished. I cannot be unjust. That's contrary to my very nature. You come to the New Testament, and here's how Paul puts it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, as many are as of the works of the law. That is, everybody who's trying to be made right with God by their obedience to God, by their good works, by their own efforts. If that's you this morning, listen to what Paul says. He says, they are under a curse. You're trying to be made right with God by your own efforts. You're under a curse. Why? Well, listen to what he says. He quotes the Old Testament. Cursed is everyone. That's everyone. That's all inclusive. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. In other words, it's not enough to to be mostly good. It's not enough to be just barely 51% good, as if somehow that's going to weigh out. No, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the law. 
James puts it this way in James 2.10. He says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. Think about that. If you could keep every command in Scripture and just break one, in the eyes of God, you would be guilty of having broken them all. By the way, in context, in James 2, guess what that one sin is that causes you to have broken all of them? Prejudice in the heart. All you have to do is simply exercise prejudice in your heart, and in the eyes of God and His justice, you have broken His law. Don't think of His law like, like you know, jelly beans in a jar that you can sort of spill out a few and you've mostly kept the rest of them. No, think of God's law like a chain, and if you break a link, you've shattered it. Break God's law once and you're under its curse, the curse of death. The wages of sin is death. By the way, Jesus explains what this really means, the wages of sin is death. He explains it even more thoroughly. I want you to see it. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, at the end of the Olivet Discourse, Jesus describes a future judgment. It's probably... It's called the judgment of the nations or the judgment of the sheep and goats. It's probably a judgment that happens at the end of the tribulation period with those who survive the tribulation. And there they are judged. But what I want you to see is verse 46, because Jesus here describes these two destinations in a powerful way. He says in verse 46, these, that is the wicked, will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus, notice, uses the word eternal in both cases. It's the same Greek word. In other words, however long eternal life lasts for the righteous is how long punishment lasts for the wicked. Eternal punishment, eternal life. So in other words, we could paraphrase Paul this way. The wages of sin is eternal punishment. That's really what he's saying. Now, if, that, if you struggle with that, I understand that from a human perspective. I mean, after all, how could 20 years of sin or 40 years of sin or 60 years of sin or 80 years of sin on this planet, how in the world can that deserve eternal punishment? It's a question we've all asked, right? How does that work out? Well, there are a couple of answers. There are others, but I'll give you two. First of all, we can say that it merits eternal punishment because the greatness of the one sinned against determines what penalty is just. This is true even with human law. Think about this. Compare the penalty of your being disloyal to your friend with the penalty of your being disloyal to your government. If you're disloyal to your friend, that might cause an end of your friendship. If you're disloyal in the, in the ultimate sense to your government, it might cost you your life. That's called treason. Well, what's the difference? The difference is the one sinned against. Well, imagine the gravity and seriousness of our sin when it is against the greatest person in the universe, God, the Creator. How serious our sin must be you know, if you're tempted to think lightly of your sin, and we all are, just, just consider this. 
God cast Adam out of the garden and plunged all of us into sin and death for one sinful act. Just one. And what was that sinful act? He ate a piece of fruit that God said, you may not eat. That's it. You say, well, why? Listen, every sinful thought, every sinful word, every sinful act we commit, they are filled with a world of sin. Think about Adam's case. In Adam's case, eating a single piece of fruit that God had forbidden from him showed Adam to be guilty. Think of all the sins that were involved in that one act. There was rebellion, rebellion against God's clear command. There was pride, he knew better. There was lust, there was ingratitude, selfishness, a failure to love God, a failure to love Eve, a disregard of God's goodness and grace and all that God had provided for him and everything else in the garden, a violation of God's holiness, and ultimately, unbelief. And I'm just getting started. Seriously, we could go on. In that one sin, there was a world of sin. And the same thing is true for us. In every sin you and I commit, it's not a simple act. It's filled with evil. Our sin also deserves eternal punishment. Because if we're not redeemed and we end up in hell, we will continue to sin eternally. Understand, sinners who go to hell don't repent. There's remorse, there's regret, but there's no repentance and there's no heart change. In fact, every sinner there will continue to sin in rebellion against God, their Creator, to the extent that they're able to, at least in their minds. If you doubt that, just read the book of Revelation. You you remember those in the tribulation period who have the judgments of God poured out on them, who know it's the judgment of God, how do they respond? Do they repent in sackcloth and ashes? No, Revelation says they blaspheme God. That's exactly what it'll be like in hell. They blaspheme God. So, the wages of sin is death. Deserved eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. Do you understand? I plead with you today if you're not in Christ. Do you understand what this really means? This is you. This is your story. The moment your body stops working, this is where you'll be. Forever banned from the presence of God with all of the misery and suffering that that banishment brings. You know, most people simply don't believe that's true. Oh, they may say they believe it, but they don't really believe it. Why? Because they sin in this life and nothing really bad happens. No lightning falls from the sky and, you know, the first time you sin, you wonder if something's going to happen and nothing happens and then you get used to it, you grow accustomed to it, and you think that's, that's how God acts. They begin to think that sin doesn't really cost anything. That is such a gross misunderstanding of what's really going on. I mean, imagine for a moment that you started a job that promised you to be paid every two weeks. And after the first week, when you hadn't been paid, you said to yourself, well, that's it, I'm quitting this job because I'm never going to get paid. You would never do that. Why? Because you know there's a payday schedule. You know it's coming. The fact 
that you haven't yet experienced God's judgment for your sin means absolutely nothing because it's still not God's payday. It's coming, but it's not here yet. There is a payday for sin someday. It is written into the code of God's moral universe as surely as gravity is written into the physical universe. In fact, go back to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and notice verse 4. This is where most people live, most unbelievers. He's talking to unbelievers here and he says, you know what you're, what you're enjoying right now? The riches of God's kindness, His tolerance, His patience. He says, do you think lightly of those things? Don't you know that what you're experiencing right now doesn't mean God doesn't hate your sin? It doesn't mean judgment's not coming? No, it means that God intends His kindness toward you to lead you to repentance. But because you've totally misconstrued what's really going on, you, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, Paul says, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Payday someday is coming. Verse 6, God will render to each person according to his deeds. Please understand this. God is, God is kind. He is patient. He is loading your life up right now. If you're not in Christ, He is loading your life up with goodness, with His grace, with His patience. And that's, that's His desire for you to come to repentance. It's His calling you to repentance. But it does not mean that payday isn't coming. You will stand before God. And if you're not in Christ, you will get paid for your sins. God has a perfect record in His own omniscience of every thought you've ever had, every word you've ever spoken, every act you've ever committed, and paydays coming. Apart from Jesus Christ, you and I will get exactly what our sin has earned. The wages of sin is death, eternal punishment. And if God doesn't intervene, that's what we've all earned. It's where we'll all end up. But thank God that's not the the end of the story. You see, there's a second destination. And in the second half of verse 23, Paul explains the ultimate reason that some arrived there. Let's describe it this way. A few, a few, a remnant, they're often called in the Bible, a few receive eternal life, how? As a free gift through Jesus' work. Now look at verse 23. Look first at the first half again. The wages of sin is death. Now, we've studied verses 15 to 22. We've learned so much about the contrast between sin and righteousness so that if you had never heard the second half of verse 23, you might well expect Paul to say this, the wages of sin is death and the wages of righteousness is eternal life. You might expect him to say that. And you know what? If Paul believed that we could be justified by our own efforts, by our own righteousness, by our own goodness, that's exactly what he would have written. But it wouldn't have been the true gospel. Notice what Paul does say in verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Notice the contrast. The wages of sin is death. We earn eternal punishment. But those who end up in heaven don't get there because they've earned it or deserve it. 
No wages mentioned in the second half of verse 23, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The Greek word translated the free gift is a word you'll recognize. It's the word charisma. It means literally a gift of grace. That which is freely and graciously given, or as it's translated here, a free gift. Paul's already talked about this. Go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4. As he talks about Abraham's example, he, he applies it to us in verse 4. He says, Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. If you work for your justification, then if you get justification, it's your wage. Paul says that's not how it works at all. Verse 5, But to the one who does not work, no human effort, no wages, but instead the one who simply believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Or verse 6, we could put it another way, God credits righteousness apart from works. And then he uses David and his sin as an example. He comes back to this gift in chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 15, he's talking about the fact that our legal representative is no longer Adam. If you're in Christ, your legal representative is Christ. And with Christ, here's what you get, verse 15, but the free gift that comes with Christ is not like the transgression that Adam committed. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more. What Jesus did is so much greater because the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. It's a gift of God's grace. In other words, it's a gift you get when you deserve exactly the opposite. That's what the word grace means. It's a gift you get when you have earned exactly the opposite. You've earned death. But He gives you life. Notice back in verse 23 of chapter 6, What's the free gift we receive by grace from God? The free gift of God is eternal life. I touched on this last week. What is eternal life? Eternal life is more than just life that lasts forever. Unbelievers will live forever in eternal punishment. Eternal life is life of a different kind. It's life that enables us to know God. John seventeen three. This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. It's the ability to know your Creator. It's also the joy and the, the fulfillment and the glory that comes with that. And someday, it's to share His glory. When we see Him, we'll be like Him, 1 John 3 says, for we'll see Him as He is. That's eternal life. And that's just the beginning. Free gift. If you're here this morning, understand this. You've earned eternal punishment. The only way you will ever get to heaven, the only way you will ever enjoy eternal life is by a free gift that's given by God. Notice the final phrase that Paul adds in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Notice this, in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that. It turns out that eternal life is earned, just not by you. 
but by Jesus himself. Because we are in him, that's what Paul says here, because we are in him, because God has appointed Jesus as our official legal representative, I get the credit for what my representative does, and God's justice against my sins has been completely satisfied through the death of my representative. This is how he satisfied the justice of God on my behalf. He received the wages I earned because he became my representative. Go back to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 24. We are justified. We're declared to be right with God as a gift by God's grace. But how can God do this? It's through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That's a general expression for the fact that God in Christ, purchased our redemption. He bought us. That's why we're no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of God. Jesus paid for us with His own life. His life in exchange for ours. He earned our salvation by virtue of His full and complete obedience to God's law and His full satisfaction of God's justice against every one of our sins. God credited every one of my sins to Jesus as my legal representative and then on the cross treated Him as if He had committed every one of my sins. And then He credited Jesus' perfect obedience to me and now treats me as if I had obeyed in that way. In the picture of Romans 6.23, let me describe it this way. Christ got my paycheck, and I got His. He got my paycheck, and I got His. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Death we earn. Eternal life is pure grace. And how does it become ours? It becomes ours. Notice, if we are in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? It means you are united to Jesus Christ by faith. What does it mean to be united to Jesus Christ by faith? Look at Romans chapter 10. Paul explains. Romans 10, verse 8. The end of verse 8, he says, Let me tell you the message of faith I'm preaching. Here's the faith I'm preaching. Verse 9 that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Verse 13, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sins you have committed. The wages of your sin is eternal punishment, but the free gift of God in Jesus Christ is eternal life. If you will confess Jesus as Lord today, right where you sit, if you will believe in your heart that He has accomplished these things, that He's everything He claimed, then you will be rescued. You will receive the free, gracious gift of eternal life. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part 10 of Whose Slave Are You? And that concludes our current series. But next time, Tom will bring us a brand new one. Join us, won't you? And Tom, how about sharing some final thoughts with us before we go? You know, friend, I ended our lesson today with a challenge to 
repent and believe the gospel. Can I just plead with you to consider your own spiritual situation today? Do you know God through Jesus Christ, his son? Do you truly have a relationship with him because your sins have been forgiven, because you have repented from your sin? You have turned from all of those things that you know to be sin. You've expressed a willingness to turn from those things and to follow Jesus Christ. And you have embraced him, as Romans 10 says, you have believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you have confessed Jesus as Lord. Can I just plead with you even today to come to God through Jesus Christ and receive the free gift of grace that he offers because of the work of Jesus Christ? Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And don't forget to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Mm